Marketing and selling is essential in your online business. And when you have the right strategies and mindset, you not only can make a lot of money, but you can change a lot of lives. Welcome to the Online Marketing Podcast, where we help course creators, membership owners, and coaches market and sell their offers. We're your hosts, Paul and Melissa Pruitt. Let's dive in and get started. Welcome to our special launch interview series, where Paul and I interview successful online entrepreneurs about their launches. In this interview, we talked to Amy Pearl. Amy brings a unique perspective to this interview. She had a real-life B2B business that was very successful. However, once the pandemic hit, she had to totally shift her business model. In this interview, Amy talks a little bit about her journey and how she's navigated the online world, taking courses and programs that are specifically designed for B2C and applying it to the B2B world where she thrives and continues to serve her clients. So let's go ahead and listen to Amy's interview. Amy, I just, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. I know we we run in the online circles in several different circles and, and go back and forth and, and have talked over time and just super excited to share because you have a unique perspective with launching and especially in this online space. And I can't wait for us to dig in today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited to be here. I'm happy to help your audience however I can. Awesome. 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 Well, before we kick things off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you serve and what you do? Okay. Well, I might be in a little bit of a different position than a lot of your listeners because I've actually been in business for almost 25 years. Next year, it'll be 25 years. And I sell leadership assessment and development programs to corporations, not-for-profits, and other businesses. So my clients include global organizations like Caterpillar, Barilla. I'm here in the United States, so I do a lot of work with Wegmans and M&T Bank. And I've got tons of smaller clients right here in my own backyard in Buffalo, New York. So I've been developing courses and coaching executives for years and years and years and years. But that all came to like a screeching halt when the pandemic kicked in, because all of my work prior to that was 100% in person. I'd get on a plane and I'd go somewhere to lead a workshop. I'd hop in my car and I'd go somewhere to lead a workshop. My coaching clients would come into my office and I would coach them face to face. And when the pandemic hit, literally I went from billing like over a hundred thousand dollars a month to zero, like big zero. And I spent a few weeks, like everybody else, like making way too many chocolate chip cookies and doing jigsaw puzzles. But, you know, after a month or two, it was like, this is serious. Like the way people work and the way people learn changed overnight. And I've got two Gen Z kids who was like, mom, like get with the program, get yourself a Logitech camera, subscribe to Zoom, prop your little laptop up on a box and like get back to work. And I did. And then it was really just a couple of months And I was just really right back in the groove and have not looked back since. I've been on a plane like three times since the pandemic and I'm loving it. Oh my gosh. Well, hopefully those were for vacations. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you're not alone because a a lot of people in the corporate world and people that are in B2B spaces, nobody was excluded from that moment in time. You know, it's amazing how we fast forward to now. It's like, how many people didn't know what the word Zoom meant or even knew what like a, what's that little scanny thing? Oh, a QR code (laughs) these days is like so much has shifted and changed that we take for granted. So I'm assuming then that means like if we just... When just a short period of time back, you didn't have this big, huge email list. You didn't have this big, huge social media following. You weren't doing little dancey 
TikTok things and all kinds of. You will never uh, see me dancing on TikTok. Nope, nope. <laughs> I'm sure we can get AI to do that. For you. No. <laughs> yeah, it's a little Amy avatar. That there we you go. <laughs> can you bring us back though? So there was a certain moment that you probably invested in courses or programs to kind of get educated as quick as possible with yeah. the online opportunities. And at some point you're like, okay, I'm going to do this thing called a launch in the, you know, online versus like, you probably picked up the phone in the past. You probably did a lot of face-to-face, -face, you know, with the B2B stuff. And suddenly now like you're going to do an online course or an online program. Can you take us back to, to that moment? Like when yeah. was that? And oh like, my gosh. You... you will definitely laugh. <laughs> so when I was first trying to figure this out, my primary goal was to stay in touch with my customers because that's, you know, that's sort of the trick to B2B. Like the whole idea is once you're doing business with a business, they will hire you again and again and again. So, you know, you just have to sort of find ways to stay in touch with them. So I was just sort of hosting these fun little Zoom parties because everybody was trying to figure out how do I function. So I was having these little Zoom parties. And I kept hearing from my clients who were primarily either human resources professionals or business leaders. I was hearing that they were lonely. They missed the camaraderie of being in the office. I heard that they were not feeling challenged. Like all they were doing was trying to help people figure out this work from home thing. They really felt very stagnant. And I will tell you, if there is one piece of advice that I could give your audience it's listen to your customers and respond to their needs. Listen and respond, listen and respond. I have done that for 25 years. You have to retool sometimes. You have to change the way you do things. But if you do that, you just become their trusted advisor. They're always looking because you know, they'll be like, Amy, you know exactly what we need. Well, no, I don't. I just listen and respond. So when I was hearing their plea for camaraderie and coaching and connections, I thought, well, this sounds like a membership program. So it was just about the time when your friend Stu McLaren was offering his three-day live thing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just buy this thing. So <laughs> I spent three days on my patio with my laptop. I took like a hundred pages of notes and he talks about this founding members launch. Yeah. So I've never done anything like that before, but I thought he's the expert. I'm just going to follow the formula. So I took his email script, which is full of like emotion and all this kind of stuff, which in the B2B space, like I've never done that, but I thought he's the expert. I typed up my email. It was 4.50 on a Friday afternoon, probably not the time that you would advise your clients to actually yeah. send an email, 4.50 <laughs> on a Friday. I sent it out to 65 of my clients. And by Monday morning, I had 45 members. Oh my wow. God. And the beauty of a B2B thing is like, they don't want to fool around with monthly payments. They're just like, Amy, I'll pay you for the year. Like I want to be in this. Here's, you know, the money for the year and go. So of course, then I had to scramble because I had no idea how to run a membership program, but I did it. And it, and it was just a lot of fun. And I felt like I was really serving my clients. It's what they really needed. It gave me like a cash injection to get through this like change in the way I do business. And then it gave me the space to do what I really love. I'm not like really a membership queen. I'm a course queen. So I then could have the time to build my courses and take all my old programs and put them into the digital model that I now use today. So at, at 450, when you push it, like 451, were you nervous? Were you confident? Like they were all going to say yes? Or were you like, well, you know, it was funny. Wow, by my, like, my whole life. Yeah. By yeah. five o'clock, 10 people were like, yes, yeah, sign me up. 
Like, I couldn't believe it. I, now that was the time they're all just sitting around looking at their computers because people weren't working <laughs> yeah. a lot. But I mean, that was like this quick validation. Again, listen and respond. What else I heard was, you know what I need. I need this right now and give it to me. Now I'll tell you, I only ran the program for two years. Like I said, I figured I'm, I learned memberships really aren't for me. And then, you know, in that two years, people started getting more engaged in their jobs and that type of thing. And so I, we had a big wrap up party. We did it in person. People came from all over the place. We had a lot of fun as like just a celebration. And now I just do courses. Wow. I love this because a lot of people sometimes do the opposite journey where they sell one-off things first, and then they figure out how to do continuity where you listen to your people. You knew that they need something that was a long-term solution because they, they're all entering the pandemic, not knowing what to do and how to adjust. You you did that feedback loop where you listened and then gave them the solution that they were asking for and they didn't realize they were asking for it. So it was perfectly aligned. But then you understood like this was a season. People are starting to go back to work. People are doing different things now. The world's opening back up. You know, hey, courses are probably going to serve mm -hmm. them more and better now because they're not having these conversations that they were having like at the first couple of months of the pandemic. Right. Um, so yeah. how did that transact? Like, how did you figure out that the writing? Well, it, there were two parts to it. One was, I think you have to love what you do. Mm -hmm. If you're not loving what you do, then it's just like a chore and it's very draining. And sometimes you don't even realize it. Like I, this is what I coach my executives all the time. Like if you're not loving this, you're going home, you're feeling miserable, you're treating your family poorly. Like it's just not good. So you've got to figure out what you love to do. I didn't really love memberships. It's, it just wasn't my thing. And I know a lot of people thrive in that space and I applaud them for that, but it just wasn't for me. I make, you know, the beauty of memberships is the recurring revenue that it brings in. There are other ways to generate recurring revenue from business clients. And so even if courses, right? Like you could take examples, like maybe you're a safety expert. If you're a safety expert, I would create a safety course and I would sell it to manufacturing firms who use it with every single new employee that starts in that organization. You might be a wellness expert. I would sell the program to corporations who need a corporate wellness program. You might be someone who focuses on interpersonal skills or mindset or foreign languages or even confidence building. Oh my gosh. Every person I coach these days, they have a confidence problem. I'm like, where did we become so unconfident, inconfident? I don't even know what the word is, <laughs> but all those things, once you have those courses, employers will use them over and over and over again with their employees, like new employees or different groups of employees. I also sell assessments. So some of your audience might be familiar with DISC. I do 360 degree feedback assessments for employers and they buy those over and over again to use with new employees. So the recurring revenue model is still essential and it's so possible in B2B, even if, you know, even hosting your own course, like I, for years, I sold products that weren't even my own, right? You just, you're a reseller of other people's things. So the B2B space has a lot of opportunity for recurring revenue and it doesn't have to be a membership. But I will say people are interested in memberships now because they're there. They're looking for those connections. They're looking to learn. That's why they're all hopping into Facebook groups. You know, it's the same sort of idea. I love that you discovered, like, again, finding something that you really loved and you really dug into that and finding, you know, the courses that just, it made sense for you or your business. The membership was great. It served you in that time, but you shifted and it made more sense for you, your business model, and really like filled your heart up with what you really wanted to do. 
So I imagine naturally your launches evolved as well. So can you, oh, t- yeah. can you tell us a little bit about <laughs> sort of. what that looked like? Maybe yes, maybe no. You'll have to tell me if it sounds like they evolved. <laughs> so I built my courses. So I have different certification programs for the assessments that I do. And I actually have a signature leadership course. I kind of packaged up what I used to do in person. I created, it's a four month program. Every other week I do a live two hour live session with the learners. And in between they do online quote unquote pre-work. That's sort of how I position it. little side note, my two hour sessions are not like talking head Q and A because businesses really expect those to be workshops mm-hmm. where people are networking with each other. They're learning, they're doing exercises together. So that live portion of a, of a typical course of a typical signature course is a lot more than just Q and a, it really is learning, which, which makes it fun and honestly easier to run. So I created this signature course and then I had to do the quote unquote launch. So I'll tell you about my last launch. Cause I run it twice a year. I run it in the spring. I run it in the fall. So I just ran and I'm you know, kind of coming off my spring session. So my last launch, like I'm even like embarrassed to even tell you this. I sent out one email. I do have a list. It has 1500 people on it that I have been building since 1999. I am confident that many are retired. Some are probably dead, but they're on my list. I just sent them an email. I then made five phone calls to businesses that have sent people before, or I thought might have a need right now. And in one email and five phone calls, I filled my course. It was a five-figure launch. The beauty of it, in addition to that, was I had two different companies who called and said, hey, Amy, this Lead Ignited thing, would you be able to run a cohort just for our company, just for our leaders? Mm -hmm. So I started two additional programs that were just for one particular organization, which then allowed me to customize like the live events just for them and that type of thing. So it really is, you know, very powerful, but really one email and five phone calls, and it was probably about $75,000 in revenue. So the launch is really more about what you do with your customers in between your sessions, Mm. because it's, how are you again, listening? How are you giving them, you know, extra little, whether it's like weekly emails or podcasts or whatever, but you, you're definitely still staying in touch with them. You're there for them when they need you. Like people call me all the time. They're like, Hey, can I just pick your brain? And I'm like, I don't say like, here's my link. It's $250 an hour. Like, I'm just like, yes, like I want to talk to you because it will lead to something. So the launch is much more about like nurturing and supporting your customers. And then when you really want to launch your program, it's just a matter of letting them know it's time again, who do you want to send? I love this. You've done really well at translating online internet marketing, which is typically packaged and sold to B2C you know, which is more emotionally based, more aspirational, where the customer or the client is the purchaser, is the consumer as well. And you've been able to take some of these elements that you learned through these different influencers. You you referenced Stu, I know that we, we're in Amy Porterfield's yeah. World in Circle as well. And she's all about courses as well as webinars. I'm not sure if you've ever actually done a webinar yourself personally, but we know a lot of B2B people that 
webinars is one of the most effective ways outside of you have established relationships with the emails, but a lot of people can't sit through like three long days of a traditional style launch where the webinar method is, is excellent. Work, yeah. It works really yeah. well. For, for corporate. Well, and I think, you know, there was just some research done that shows that B2B customers are spending a tremendous amount of time doing their own online research to figure out what they need. So if you can offer webinars, if you have a YouTube channel, even blog posts, like anything where you can sort of establish yourself as a thought leader. So if they're looking for you, they're finding you. And so like, I even have like a good old fashioned website that somebody would probably look at and be like, Amy, this is so old fashioned, but (laughs) customers go to it because they're almost using it like a catalog. Like we want to see if you offer this, we want to know what you have, or they'll go to the blog and just like, like do some research. And so having that kind of accessibility for your customers is really important because they're counting on you to be the expert. Remember, you're trying to be their like their partner, their trusted advisor. So the more you can support their learning in these little freebie modes, you know, the more they're going to think of you when they really want to pay someone to do something. Yeah. And I know a lot of times when we when we coach some of our members that that do B2B as well, because in the in the launch world in general, in the online world, like definitely like scrappy is the the end thing and like doing everything yourself and and just getting things up and running. And when you have that B2B element, you got to keep in mind, like your website and your social media channels could be pulled up in a boardroom meeting and yes. you can be compared against different vendors. And it's a non-emotional moment. And just having that really poignant website or messaging that's on point. Like you said, even though your old school website is the way it is, that old school website might come across better and more well thought out and rounded to that boardroom meeting than somebody creating a one page opt in, you know, funnel type thing that's just trying to sell people on like a pain point idea. Yeah, for sure. Because you need to look professional. Now, that doesn't mean it's not scrappy. You know, my business, it's me. And I have one person who works for me full time and I use someone to do a smidgen of marketing for me, but I'm the queen of scrappy and you just need to look like your, because companies, especially the bigger companies, they're going to be drawn to like a big name provider. So you need to at least kind of look like that, even though they don't really know that you don't have this giant team of people working with you. You want to to, to look that way. But I will tell you one other thing, like I've talked to a lot of coaches and course creators over the past couple of years, because people always want to know like, Amy, how do I build a thriving business like yours? Like, how do I do this? How do I get my foot in the door? All that kind of thing. You know, when you're in the B2B space, a lot of businesses are going to compare you to bigger kinds of companies. And so you want to have that professional image, that professional look, even though it might be scrappy. I've only got my one person that works with me and we scrap things together every single day. But the one thing I definitely find a lot, of course, creators and coaches are trying to do is they're all trying to target these big, giant companies. Big, giant companies are sometimes a pain in the neck. Plus, they have tons of internal people that do what we do. I make really, really good money year over year over year from the little company down the street that has 160 employees because they don't have internal people that do what I do. They don't have the sophistication to do what I do. So they hire you all the time and they love you. You become part of their family. You become part of their company. And that is very fulfilling. So 
really think if you're interested in getting in the B2B space, it's going to take a long time to get into a big company unless you're really well connected. You will build those connections over time if you start smaller and just keep working your way up because the people you work with will also get promoted into bigger companies or will move to bigger companies. They'll take you with you and or with them. And then you'll have both, you'll have two companies, their old one and their new one. I love that because that, that's something that we've seen because we've done real world businesses in online. And we've seen even in some of the largest companies where that person, sometimes they're not there tomorrow, but right. they're at the competitor the next day and they just pulled you into a whole new, mm-hmm. a whole new company that you didn't have. And you can very quickly get back up to speed with the, you know, the new person in charge at the old company. So there is some movement that goes on sometimes that can work to your advantage versus against. And I really love that you brought up because I, I think sometimes we, you know, the number one thing that we see a lot of times when we talk and coach people that are doing B2B is they're just like, they're all in on LinkedIn or nothing at all. And like, and if I come back to something that you just mentioned a couple of minutes ago is that the research that, that you have that's shown is that these individuals are going out and doing their due diligence. They're going on, they're doing an SEO. They're probably in different groups. They're doing like as individuals, not as the company, but as individuals, mm-hmm. they already know who they're probably going to talk about in a board meeting or, or suggest to a, a higher up um, because they on their own personal time have been a human being and went out on the internet and kind of poked around and saw what was available. That way they look smarter when they made the recommendation. So the whole idea of funnels and online marketing yep. shouldn't be totally thrown out the door. I think it's no, a, kind of a no. hybrid. It is still those phone calls and the relationships, as you said, but it's also- You've got to sure you those blogs. Yeah. So I'll I'll tell you a funny story about that. So in my early digital days, so like two years ago or whatever it was, three (laughs) years ago, I ever was like, well, you got to be on Instagram. So I I wasn't on Instagram. So I started posting every day on Instagram. I think I'm up to 277 followers. If anybody wants to follow me, it would make me feel really good. Like it just isn't my space. But I started posting every day and, and then I would post also on LinkedIn. Like, you know, you use these systems that just lets you post everywhere. So I did. And then I got busy and I kind of stopped posting. Mm -hmm. And I happened to be at Hobby Lobby of all places in the wedding aisle. And the CEO of this hospital system in town happened to be in the wedding aisle as well because he was looking for something for his daughter's wedding. And so we're just like shooting the breeze. He said, you know, I really miss your posts. I'm like, here's this like, and my posts were goofy. Like they're like, hey, well, how's your Monday? You know, I'm like, here's the CEO of this big company. Like, I really miss your posts. So even if you don't use social media to sell, which you certainly can, I'm not a big fan or a promoter of like spammy DM kinds of stuff. It's just such a great way to be present with your customers because just like you're scrolling every morning before you get out of bed, they're scrolling every morning before they get out of bed. And when they see your little shining face or a little motivational quote or a tip of the day, like it just keeps you, again, it keeps you in their mind so that when they have a need, they're like, I'm going to call Paul. I'm going to call Melissa. I'm going to call Amy because they know what they're doing. Yeah, and I think we need to constantly remind ourselves as well is that the silent majority of these individuals, they don't comment, they don't nope. share, but they are consuming. We were just at a party yesterday as recording this, and we had several people come up and tell us about our posts, like things that we did. And when we travel and go to conferences, like people go, oh, they'll like reverence things. And we're like, 
do you know who that was? Like, <laughs> they like apparently they follow us. You know, okay. you apparently know. just <laughs> smile and say thank you. Just smile exactly. and say thank you. You know, you mentioned something earlier that I think is a really important distinction for people if they want to work in a business to business space with a corporate client or again, not for profits, that kind of thing. So many of the training courses you take that are excellent help you to figure out who your ideal customer is more from your ideal participant, because if you're selling to consumers, you're selling directly to the person who's going to take advantage of your programs. So for my first couple of months of trying to figure this out, that was hard for me to get my head around, especially when it came to what I was going to post on social media or how I wanted to, you know, what my messaging was. And it wasn't, it wasn't until it clicked in my mind that in 20 something years, I never have sold to a participant. I always sell to either like an executive decision maker or again, a human resources professional, something like that. So you've got to think about, I do have an ideal participant, but I have an ideal purchaser as well. So I have a course called B2B Fabulous to help coaches and course creators figure out how to do this. And that is like the first module. You've got to figure out the difference between the person you're like serving through your program and the person who's actually paying you, who is really your true client. And you have to manage that client very proactively to build your relationship with them. Like you don't really do on the B2C side. It's not hard. It's just something you need to remember and and make sure that, you know, you're in tune to like who your real customer is. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because there is a separation because the B2C, the consumer is the purchaser, the customer, you know, as well. And when you're separating those two roles, because even with some people that we coach through this, because they they run into the same dilemma and then we, we try to get them like, there's still the end user, the participant sometimes is out looking for the solution. So you still need pieces of bait and articles and blogs and YouTube videos for that end user, because there's going to be way more of them than the leadership. That, that are probably going to be out there, but you had to give them tools mm-hmm. to equip them to sell their, their leader, <laughs> their team. Yeah. Leader. They've got to be able to make a case to pay you. They don't, businesses will pay for their employees to be trained. Yeah. If the employee finds the learning opportunity, they've got to be able to make a case to their employer that this is the right thing for them. Exactly. So your website, your sales pages, again, your blog posts, all that kind of stuff is has to show from a business perspective, not just what's in it for the participant, but what's the payoff going to be for the business as well. So when you yourself made this realization, have you seen any tips that you would give somebody, just maybe a couple ideas on, you know, like where you were even like two years ago and you're consuming all this, you're like, okay, I got to figure out how to make this stuff emotional and aspirational base and and how you finally were able to, you had that epiphany and you were able to translate it. Like if we went on your pages today or where people would find you, have you shifted any of your messaging? Have you, have you evolved based on the perspective of knowledge that you've gotten from the online marketing world? Yeah, because I do think I'm not necessarily a real emotional kind of person. (laughs) And I think that has always given me the ability to connect more on a business level with business decision makers, but it is a new era and there is a different mindset in the business world People are looking for different things. They're looking for a sense of purpose. They're looking to feel valued. They're looking for social connections. You know, businesses used to like give you a paycheck. They were like your financial safety net. Now they're your emotional safety net. They're your physical safety net. You know, so businesses are looking for different kinds of things. So my messaging 
has become more in tune with, I'll say the emotions of my purchasers. And even if you think about it more from their frustrations, their pain points, the things that they're really frustrated by. And again, the more you listen, the more you can respond. So I'm always just asking people like my, my starting line is always, Hey, what's going on? Like anybody that, Hey, what's going on? You know, what's, or what's new and exciting. You know, I ask questions like that because then they just open up and they'll talk about what they're excited about or what they're frustrated by or what they can't get done. And then you can turn that around into your messaging, whether it's right in that conversation or in your social media posts or your email messages or your podcasts because then you know exactly what they're struggling with right now. Listen and respond, listen and respond always. I love that. Now we're going to challenge you here because you have this many years of your database. You have like the, the modern version of the Rolodex and I probably I just I have a Rolodex it. too. You still have it? Still have it? That was like my gold back then. But it's something that if, if we were to erase the email list that you have right now and your contacts and everything, and we were to start you over at zero, even within the space that you're in, not necessarily B2C, but in the B2B space. And we just put $500 in your bank account. So you could spend that, you know, on however you want it to. But if we're able to like take you at zero, because there's going to be some people that they might be in the, the B2C space, or they might just have an inkling of an idea, but they might not have the resources that you have, that you leaned on. Do you have any advice? What would that version of you like what are the first couple of steps you do to build your business? Yeah, I can tell you how I got started and I can tell you how I recommend that anybody gets started. I even have a little freebie for people that it's called 10 ways to get your foot in the door. Cause that's what everyone always wants. How do I get my foot in the door? How do I get my foot in the door? So remember I got my foot in the door like before social media even existed. So I do think social media can be very powerful, but it's a kind of a slow grind. My best advice, like my number one thing I tell people to do is once you identify who your ideal purchaser is, go to where they hang out. So for example, for me, because my typical purchaser is a human resources professional, I belong to the Society for Human Resources Management. I belong to the Association for Training and Development. I belong to the National Human Resources Association. And not just like my name's like, you know, in their membership directory, you're involved, you're engaged, you're maybe working on their committees or volunteering for one of their conferences. And like, I volunteer all the time for those organizations. I just got a call from the National Human Resources Association. They said, we've got a bunch of people have expressed an interest in assessments. Would you be willing to do a presentation in January for free? And I was like, hell yeah. Like for, for <laughs> I'll go talk to anybody, a big audience of people who want to buy my product. And it can't be a sales pitch, but I can teach them what they need to know and they'll be ready to buy. And they'll be like, well, why wouldn't I just call Amy? She just taught me everything I need to know. So that model and every industry, like I'm sure when you were in your prior life, you belong to professional organizations as well. Again, whether it's safety or wellness or what do you call it? Healthcare, like medicine, all that kind of stuff. There are professional organizations for every possible purchaser out there. You can hop online, just type professional organization for safety managers or professional organization for real estate brokers or professional organization for zookeepers or whatever you want to target and you'll get a big list and then just like check them out. And if I had $500, I would pay the annual membership fee for probably five of those organizations and then get engaged, get involved, get to know people. And then you're their go-to expert. 
I love it. We're 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 in this online world and we forget that it's still human human connection. Yes. Right. And, and those all have online components. So I'm in a really active Facebook group of learning and development professionals. It's coaches, external people and internal human resources people. You know, there's like 2500 members. So I just log on, you know, a couple times each week. I see what questions people are asking. Again, it's not a sales pitch. But if someone's looking for advice, I just answer their question. And sometimes they'll call and be like, can I talk to you more? Of course you can. I'm not going to say no. I love it. Amy, this has been awesome. I've loved listening to you talk. Really, it's all about relationship building and ways that you can connect. And like you said, listen, respond, listen, respond. Yep. I think if anyone can walk away with that, that's huge. Before we wrap up, is there, are you given so much advice already, but any other final words that you like to leave our audience with, with, you know, mm. the online space, connecting with your clients, just anything else you want to share with them? You know, I think the thing that I see when people are hesitant to get into the B2B space is they're afraid. They're afraid. Like I'm afraid. I'm not confident enough to do that. And, and a little bit of lack of confidence, I don't think is a bad thing. So every time I go to meet with a new client, I'm nervous. And I've sat with like CEOs of big giant companies and I am nervous like every time. And I think that's okay. It keeps me on my toes. It keeps me sharp. Like I go in prepared. But once you are sitting at that table, they're just like regular people. They're normal people. They have problems. You have solutions. They're excited to see how easy you can make the solution for them or how doable you can make the solution for them. And so it's okay to be a little nervous, but don't let that become like this lack of confidence or this fear to take action. And not everybody is going to say yes. And not everybody is going to hire you again and again, but don't throw in the towel. Like I said, start small, find a little enough for profit, find a little business right down the street, get going, build your own products, your own, get your rhythm down. And then you'll just grow from there. And my business grew like really fast. It wasn't like this took me years. It was back in 1999, but like everybody has a need. And now the world is so much bigger than it was in 1999. You'll find clients that need you all over the place. So don't be afraid, like just take a chance, just do it. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that. So Amy, how can people connect with you, follow you and continue conversations with you? Yeah. So I'm always happy to chat. I, we can put a link in the show notes so that if people want to either look at different programs I offer, or you guys were so amazing and saying, Amy, you need to like package all this up and like launch a course for coaches and course creators who want to sell to businesses. So people can hop into my course. I've got a Facebook page called Becoming Fabulous Together that they can hop into, or just look me up. It's Amy A. Pearl. You have to put the A in the middle, but amyapearl.com. And if if I can help anyone out there, I'm, I'm happy to do so. Oh my gosh. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking your time with us, sharing so much. You've given such unique perspective. I know people are really going to appreciate this and I'm just really excited for you and all that you're doing and continuing to do. So thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. If you would like to work with us and our team to help you snap up more sales and incredible clients with a stellar marketing strategy that works, go to adaptivemembership.com and sign up for our wait list. We have a limited number of spots in our exclusive program to set you up for success and take action. We're waiting for you at AdaptiveMembership.com.